Hello everyone and welcome. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Black History. Happy Wednesday to you all out there. Happy hump day rather. As we are closing out the month of May and getting through the week. I hope you all are uh, having a great week. I hope you're having a great month. I hope you're having a great year. This weekend is Memorial Day weekend. The unofficial start of the summer. And I hope you got some plans, some fun. Um, and hopefully it'll be a, a great a great weekend for you, three day weekend for you if you get um that that Monday or if you get the whole weekend off. Otherwise I hope things as well with everybody out there listening. And um today um we have more black history. So today on Everyday Black History, we're gonna be talking about a man by the name of Alonzo Herndon. Now, Alonzo Herndon, and before I get into the episode, the next couple of episodes, we're just going to talk about, you know, black, black businessmen and women, you know, black businessmen and women who started um, companies that were at the time, some of the largest black owned companies and successful black owned companies, um, as I I said, for the time, um, whether it's the 1800s, 1900s, whenever, but, you know, it's always, I always like, you know, looking up, you know, you know, uh, black businessmen and women, seeing how they started, seeing how they, despite, you know, the odds of uh, of uh, um, systematic racism, they still continue to succeed in life and, and um, you know, start these these empires and, you know, really get real estate and, you know, make these fortunes. And it's just inspirational to see that, you know, especially during times when uh, we had, you know, so much more working against us, you know, publicly, you know what I mean? As far as uh, Jim Crow and racism and everything and just lack of opportunity, that there were still men and women that despite all that succeeded, you know, um, through will, through talent, through guts, through, you know, uh, ingenuity, skill, smarts, through so many, you know, everybody's story is different. Through, through so many different, you know, pathways, uh, these these men and women were successful and, and, and definitely inspirational for all of us out there who want to start businesses and want to get into real estate. You know, these men and women did it um, during a much different time. So uh, they can be our inspiration to continue to succeed. So getting into our episode, Alonzo Herndon, uh, he was an entrepreneur and businessman in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, he was born in 1858, June 26, 1858, and uh, he was born into slavery. And he became one of the first black uh, millionaires in the United States, uh, first achieving success by owning and operating uh, three barbershops in, in the city uh, that served uh, prominent uh, men and uh, that, 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 uh, excuse me, that served prominent men, you know, businessmen, you know, you know, high profile people, uh, white men. And um, he also became the founder and president of what. Um, he built to be one of the the United States' most well-known and successful African-American businesses, the Atlanta Family uh, Life Insurance Company, or Atlanta Life. Uh, so a little bit of background, as we mentioned, is a little bit of his history. Uh, we mentioned he was born in slavery in 1858 in Walton County, uh, Georgia. Um, his he he was born into, he was born into slavery, as mentioned. His mother was a slave, and his dad was. Um, Herman Slaver. He had his his dad. He had a white father, um, who came from a wealthy slave holding family. Um, he was one of twenty five people who was enslaved by his father, 
uh, Frank Herndon, and um, his father never acknowledged paternity of him. Uh, but by 1865, when um, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, the Civil War was over, Alonzo, um, then the young age of seven, and his family were emancipated, but um, they were left in destitution. They entered freedom in destitution. They had no money, um, you know, nothing. So from a very young age, he worked uh, He worked hard. You know, he worked as a laborer. He worked as a peddler to help support his family. And um, his his own his mother could only work in the early years, so he had to work as well as his siblings had to work to help to, um, you know, to support the family. They worked chief, chiefly as a, a sharecroppers on plantations in Georgia, um, a town called Social Circle, Georgia, which is um, forty miles east of the uh, city of Atlanta. But from a young age, he you know, worked hard to help provide for his, for his family. Uh, by 1878, he left Social Circle um, with $11 in savings and one year of formal schooling. And uh, he settled um, in another part of Georgia, Sonoia, uh, um, Sonoia, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and he settled there, started working off as a farmhand where he started to learn the barbering trade. And at this time in the 1800s, being a barber was a very good trade. Um, uh, many white men used black barbers during this time. So if you were black, you were free, or you bought your freedom, or or you were born free, You uh, being a barber was a lucrative profession to get into. And it was easy to, to um, start other um, shops in the nearby area. So after starting, um, after starting in the shop of another black man in Atlanta, who, uh, who, who he got to start with and who he learned more of the barbering trade from, he later owned three barbershops in Atlanta, um, including a large one on Peachtree Street that he fitted out with luxurious furnishings. And these barbershops, as we mentioned earlier, had elite customers, presidents, judges, businessmen, lawyers, um, you know, of course, you know, of course, you know, these are all prominent white men because prominent, you know, white, because white men held these titles and these positions. So he uh, catered to a white clientele um, that, you know, paid him well and he did well with his barbershops. And uh, one of his large refined barbershops uh, serving white customers, unfortunately, was uh, damaged by white rioters during the 1906 Atlanta race riot. So, you know, brother doing well, doing his thing. And when the riots happen, who are the ones who destroy it? Bunch of white people, <laughs> you know, during the, during the race riots. Come and destroy his, you know, one of his businesses that he did, did, did a lot to build and, you know, that made him wealthy. But he, that didn't stop him from, from being successful though. You know, he invested in other things as well. He invested in, in real estate, you know. Um, so he had, you know, property in the city of Atlanta. And then he also entered the insurance business. So he began by buying a failing mutual aid association in 1905. Um, when the state of Georgia increased capital requirements for such businesses, the business, um, you know, entered into a period of financial difficulty. So that's when he stepped in and he and he bought it. 
and he had been approached by a couple of ministers in the community that um, that asked him to acquire the company as something for the black community. And so he incorporated it as the Atlanta Mutual Insurance Association. But, but by 1916, the association was recognized, was reorganized, excuse me, as a stock company capitalized at $25,000, most of which Herndon bought himself. In 1922, the company was reorganized as Atlanta Life Insurance Company and became one of five uh, African-American insurance companies at the time to achieve legal reserve status. Atlanta Life's uh, business thrived, and he did very well with um, Atlanta Life um, Insurance Company. Um, They expanded the business into other states such as Florida, Kansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, and Texas. Through his enterprises, Alonzo became the became Atlanta's first black millionaire. Man, you know, first black millionaire. And um, he was even covered in, in articles, different articles during that time, um, emphasizing his competence and success as a businessman. So it's just, you know, we, we love to talk about, you know, you know, men and women like this who, especially, when, you know, who came from slavery and, you know, uh, went, you know, left town and went somewhere with a couple of dollars in their pockets and made it a success of themselves. You know, it just gives us inspiration and it helps us to, to know and believe that we ourselves can do the same thing if owning a business or something like that is something we desire to do. You know, going to school, getting education, you know, those are all things that we can do. And whenever we get discouraged, we can look at men and women who, you know, our our ancestors who did it before us, who, you know, um, you know, went and got education and succeeded despite opposition. So Alonzo, you know, he um, did have a family. His wife, Adrienne Elizabeth McNeil, um, Herndon, who became his wife, she was an actress, a professor, an activist, and uh, she was uh, a professor at Atlanta University, which is now Clark Atlanta University, and she helped him gain education and refinement, and they were a very influential couple. And I looked at pictures of her, I thought, you know, she was white, but she was just a, she was just a light-skinned black woman, and, um, you know, light enough I I imagine where she might have been able to pass in some circles, but it was known to her friends and colleagues, you know, who she was, what her, you know, uh, 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 nationality was, her race was. Um, But yeah, they were, they were considered a power couple in in, uh, Atlantis circles because he was a, a successful businessman, a millionaire. She was an actress, an activist. So they were, um, considered a power couple, but, um, you know, he uh, uh, he was very involved in the community as far as what he um, the work that he did. You know, his, he had he had sons and his sons helped to build the business. Uh, one of his sons, Norris, helped to build the business to to millions and millions of dollars in assets. Um, and, you know, he became notable um, in his own right for his business prowess. So Alonzo died on July 21st, 1927, at the age of 69. Um, His home, his former home, was designated a U.S. National Historic Landmark in the year of 2000. Um, There was was even a public housing um, project that was named after him. It's been demolished since then, but um, he even had a public housing project named after him. 
And there's even a stadium at Morris Brown College that's named in his honor. It was the uh, the Herndon Stadium, um, and it was the field hockey venue at the 1996 Summer Olympics when they had it in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, Alonzo Herndon, you know, as we as we talked about earlier, we love to talk about, you know, men and women in, in, our, in our community and our history who's, who succeeded in business, and Alonzo was definitely one of them. So Alonzo Herndon, we thank you for your contribution to black history and black culture, and we salute you. So that concludes this episode. Today, we just wanted to come with a quick episode and just, um, you know, just, you know, touch bases. And it's been a, it's been a little while. And uh, we just wanted to, you know, get together and just talk about some black history and talk about, about, and talk about our culture. So uh, hopefully you enjoy the rest of your week. And, um, you know, always as we encourage everybody we talk about in everyday black history, feel free to research these people on your own and, and, and spread it, you know, talk about it with people just so that people can know more about our history and our culture. But that concludes this episode of Everyday Black History. Um, so stay tuned for the next episode.